Good evening, Gasol Baptist Church. It's another Wednesday evening, and with our COVID experience, something I never want to experience again, and something we'll tell our grandchildren about when they're old enough to understand. However, God is still good. God is still on his throne, and we are still in the business of bringing glory to his name. Tonight, I wanted us to look at the guy who didn't get it. His name is Jonah. I could have entitled this message, The Things God Prepares for His Children. Now, we know the story of Jonah, and usually we talk about Jonah being swallowed by a whale, but accurately, the Bible says it was a great fish. It says in Jonah 1.1, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatti, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, we see that several times in the book, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go to them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind. There was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. And it goes on to say, but Jonah was in the bottom of the ship, sound asleep. And then in verse 17, it says, but the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We know that he was spit up on the shores. We know that he went and he preached across Nineveh. And we know that a great revival broke out in Nineveh, and God relented of the calamity. In other words, because of their repentance, he did not destroy Nineveh. We pick up the story in chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in love and kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah goes on. He went out of the city, he sat on the east side of the city, made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared, there it is again, a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade his head and deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. It happened when the sun rose that God prepared, there it is again, a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wished for himself death. That it's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah said, It's right for me to be angry even unto death. But the Lord said, you have, no, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And shall I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for 
tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, the things that you've prepared for us. Uh, let us learn the lessons that we're supposed to learn from this scripture tonight. And Father, I just ask that your will be done in our lives and that any listening uh, to me tonight that have not accepted Christ Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior will come in repentance and faith and place their faith in him and be saved from their sins tonight. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, growing up, I had plans for my life, what I wanted to do. Uh, my mom had plans. My dad had plans. All those plans were different. I thought I would be a history teacher and a coach. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer. My dad wanted me to take over the family business. And the biggest problem was that is that early on, none of us prayed if God had any plans for my life. And mom made me take classes that I hated. Wanted me to be a lawyer, she made me to take speech. I didn't like getting in front of people. I didn't like talking to people. And I had to have two different years of speech. She signed me up and the counselor said, you have to go. That's what your mother wants you to take. Then if that wasn't bad enough, the third year she made me take debate. Oh my goodness, arguing about things I didn't care about, things I didn't really understand, but learning how to do it while you're standing there uh, taking notes. I look back and all those things God used to prepare me for his plans. The jobs he had for me uh, later on after I had surrendered of dealing with the public, uh, the, the classes I had to take in high school and college, God um, prepared that for me. Coming from a rough background, I was able to minister to those from a rough background. Coming from uh, a father who was an alcoholic, I, I, I didn't have as much patience as I should have, but I could understand families that were dealing with alcoholics. And each thing God used to teach me about his plans. Basically, he wanted to teach me that all these people that he put me in contact with needed to know the Jesus that I knew. We need to understand that God prepares things in our lives to bring us to his heart. God uses all these prepared things in our lives to bring us to his heart. Alright, and so what does that mean? First of all, it means this, that the prepared things that God makes or gives to us or to make us better people. God prepares things to make us better people. That happened in 117. God prepared a, a great fish to swallow Jonah. And in chapter 4, verse 6, and the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that would shade his head. And then God prepared a vehement east wind for Jonah. See, God prepared all these things, but in those first two instances, God mercifully and graciously dealt with a stubborn, disobedient, sinful prophet. Jonah had tried foolishly to run from God. I did too. Many of you, that would be your testimony. It's foolish because we need to learn that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. That he is omnipotent. That he is all-powerful. See, God could have given Jonah over to his sin. God could have let him die in his sin. 
I mean, there he is. They toss him off the boat to save the boat. He's sinking down. When you read chapter 2 and he talks about it, the seaweed was tangling him up. He was literally in the depths going down, going to die, and a great fish swallowed him. And he was there three days and three nights breathing in the foul odors of the fish's belly. But God could have let him die and didn't. It was his grace. It was his mercy. God gave him another chance because God is that. And then he's so angry. I never heard of a preacher being angry when a great revival breaks out. But Jonah was because he needed to learn some lessons on God's mercy and God's comfort. And God gave him comfort. He made that plant to come up because he was in misery in that sun under that little booth he had built. And he made that plant come up to shade him. And he rejoiced. And you see, it was for God's, Jonah's benefit that God did this, not his detriment. Sometimes things that seem bad on the outside tend to uh, work for our good. Isn't that what Romans says? We know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And His purposes will be more like Jesus. His purpose is our sanctification. His purpose is that we will be like Jesus and bring glory to His holy, wonderful name. Do we understand that? Do you understand the bad things in life God uses for His purposes? There have been many times in my life that I thought, this is horrible, God. Why did you let this happen? And then God turns it around and uses it for my benefit, for my family's benefit. I was so mad at God. I couldn't afford the girls to go to Washita. I had loved that school. I just couldn't come up with sending twins there with enough money, and they couldn't come up with enough to help me. So they enrolled in UCA, which was exactly where God wanted them. They became special ed teachers. They've never had a trouble getting a job in whatever state they have moved to. Not only that, but while they were there, my father-in-law uh, got a cancer diagnosis. And two years later, he died. And, and they were there to minister to him and to be with Grandma after, after uh, Grandpa Crease died. And uh, to minister to her and to visit her in the evenings or to spend the night when she was lonely. And God worked all that out because he prepared those things. For them to go there. There might be some things that seem bad on the surface. But God intends to use it for our growth. Our benefit. To make us more Christ-like. But again remember. God takes these things that he prepares. To draw us to his heart. So that we will have a heart like his. So that we can determine what's really important in life. Not only does God use these things for our benefit. We need to understand that they make us better, but they also are for the purpose of helping us learn. I'm a slow learner, so unfortunately a lot of times God has to take me through the same type, maybe of a different situation, but to learn the same lesson. Jonah needed to learn many things about God. Now, I know he knew God. He was a professional prophet. They think he was mentioned again in 2 Kings 14.25, but, but we don't really know that. But he knew God... In chapter 4 of the book bearing his name, verse 2, it says, So he prayed to God and said, Was this not what I said to you while I was still in my own country? Therefore I fled previous to Tarshish, for I know. The word know there it means to know by experience. Not to guess, not to have a head knowledge, but to know. And what did he know God? That you were gracious. He'd experienced God's graciousness. That you were merciful. He'd experienced God's mercy. That you're slow to anger. 
Even recently, he had experienced God's slowness to anger when God saved him by the great fish. That you are abundant in loving kindness. He knew all those things, but he hadn't learned his lessons because for he and those like him, his people, his nation, it was good for God to be gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abundant loving kindness, but not for the heathen Ninevites. He needed to learn to remember that God was who he said and he needed to have compassion, the same compassion as God's heart. He had experienced it. He needed to live it towards others. Do we understand that? Do we want others to know about our Savior? I'm reminded of the story of Martin Niemöller. Uh, Martin Niemöller uh, was a prison in a German concentration camp for opposing Hitler and the Nazis for six years. When he was released and walking out of that prison camp, the reporters that were there flocked to him got some juicy piece of gossip or something that had happened, real life stuff that, that they could use and plaster on the papers of how bad it was. But rather than that, they walked away and one was heard to say, six years in a concentration camp and all he wants to talk about is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When those things come into our lives that God has prepared, do we get bitter or better? Do we want to talk about Jesus? Or do we want to talk about our woes and our miseries? See, they're to help us to learn. What lessons are we supposed to learn through COVID? That things can change? That there are other ways of doing things? That we can still do ministry? That we're still loved of God? That we're still under His protection? That the things have to come through His love to touch us as Christians? Can we love to learn others who are suffering, others who are in danger, others who, who, are, who have lost loved ones, those that are Christians around the world who are suffering for the name of Christ? Does it make us more compassionate towards those who serve us, whether it's a doctor or a nurse or first responder to the policeman, the fireman, our missionaries, our military on the front lines? Have we learned to be prayer warriors in the midst of this? Have we cried out to God for revival on a worldwide scale that the world has never yet known? What lessons are we learning? The third thing. All the prepared things in our lives, again, are used to bring us to God's heart. Look at verses 7 through 11 of chapter 4 with me. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. So Jonah has enjoyed the plant for one day. Now it's a hot scorching wind with the sun beating down on the prophet's head as he sits on a hill east of Nineveh waiting for God to destroy them. It says, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He's getting ready to have a heat stroke. He wished death for himself. He says, it's better for me to die than to live. Hmm. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he says, it's right for me to be angry even to death. 
He was a good Baptist preacher. He was stubborn. But the Lord said, you have had no, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night, perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? Do we understand where God's heart is? In all this odyssey, I think this is the main lesson that Jonah needed to learn. It had an outstanding purpose to bring him to God's heart. That God loved people enough to redeem them. That God loved people enough to forgive them. We see it fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ when God sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As Christ spread his arms, died, was put in the grave for three days, rose on the third day, uh, ministered to uh, the apostles and his disciples for 40 days and was ascended to the Father, and one day he's coming back. But do we understand? Even when he was on the boat, after the sea calmed when he was thrown over, they started believing that Jonah's God was the real God. In chapter 3, verse 10 we find God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil ways, and he relented the disaster he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. His mercy, his compassion, his long-suffering, his slow to anger. Do we invest enough time in people, enough money in people? Do we do whatever it takes, anywhere it takes, whatever it takes to reach the lost around us so they can experience the same compassion we have experienced? If we do that, we have a heart like God's. If we do not, we don't even resemble God's heart. And he brings us through these prepared things so we'll have a heart like Jesus. The last thing to me is the saddest thing. If we fail to learn to develop a heart like God's through what he's prepared, he often leaves us where we are. Does that mean you lose your salvation? No. It means your fellowship is broken. He lives us where we are. Well, why do you know that, Brother Gary? Because the last picture we see of Jonah in his life, he's sitting on that windy hill, having a pity party, a pout flout, uh, out of fellowship with God, throwing a Baptist temper fit, a tantrum. And that's the last we hear. We don't hear of him repenting. We don't hear of him learning his lesson. We don't hear of him restoring fellowship with God. We don't hear of him rejoicing at souls coming to know the one true God. But God did destroy Nineveh later because they went back to their wicked ways. Just like he did the Jews. We need to ask, have we grown old and cold? Have we refused what God wants us to do? And he has to bring us through the belly of the whale or the belly of the fish. To get us to do it? Have we learned God's heart anew? He's gracious. He's merciful. Slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Do we understand that? Have you experienced that? If not, the invitation of Jesus is to come to Him. 
you have and you've grown cold in your walk, you look around and ask where God is, God is still waiting for you to come. Come back to Him. Do the things He would have you to do. Jonah's life is one that shows us how God prepares things for His people to learn, to make us better, to draw us to His heart, to have us succeed. And we refuse and keep refusing and get stubborn and sit down like Missouri mules that won't move. He'll leave us alone for a while. If you're his child, he's not going to leave you alone forever. There'll be things coming to your life that you don't want and I don't want. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Help us to learn the lessons we're supposed to learn. You be sovereign in our life because we know you're sovereign. You be glorified in our lives so that people, when they look at us, see you. And Father, let us be willing to serve. Let us be willing to tell, share. Let us be willing to do whatever it is you have us to do. Let us not be like Jonah and run. All you want to do is draw us close and love on you. And love on us so that we can learn who you really are and what your heart is like so that you can transform our hearts into a heart like yours. Do that for us as a church body. In Christ's name I pray.